Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome to the eSpot with Camille. I am your host, Camille Cower, and I cannot wait for you to meet my guest today, Rhonda Marie. You have seen her all over the big screen, little screen, in between screens. And I cannot wait for you guys to meet her. She's my good friend. She's a Raleigh native, and she's an amazing actress as well. What more can I say about my superhero, Miss Goldie Bell in the building? <laughs> Hey, oh, like, why am I dancing in front of a dancer? <clears throat> Lessons hey. learned. I think it's fun to do that. It is. You know? to put it on Goaty Bell's page, too. That's what I'm doing, in case you're wondering. What are you doing? No, have fun. What's Let's up, girl? You know what? Everybody, take a minute and share with your friends. Right now, everybody out that's watching, just take one quick second, share it with your friends that you are watching so they can watch as well because they're getting ready. We're getting ready to have a class is about to be in session because she's going to share so much information on how she went from little small town Raleigh. Well, I should make it small. It's a capital, but <laughs> small town Raleigh, you know, you got to sell it, right? Small mm -hmm. town Raleigh and made it in the big lights of Hollywood. Oh gosh. I don't know about that part. <laughs> I mean, you've done so much more than so many other people who have just attempted at working in the film industry and to be able to have worked on so many great TV shows, films, and mm -hmm. I mean, it speaks not only to your talent, but to your personality as well, because nobody would want to keep working with you if you weren't so much fun to work with. Aww. So let's start from the very beginning. Okay. How did you get your start into entertainment? What was it about it that made you say, I got to do this? Mm, well, I mean, you know, like everybody else, I was a little kid and I was just like the dancer and the, and the clown in the, in the family. So I was like, um, I used to always imitate Michael Jackson. I used to always do him, you know, at, like I almost want to make you go into it. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Look, impromptu I, um, dance off. Just kidding. <laughs> but, you know, um, my favorite person as far as entertainment was Debbie Allen because I was a dancer. Mm. You know, I just love another it. fame reference this week. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So um I can dig it. I wanted to like, you know, just explore the entertainment business and I loved fame, you know, that yeah. whole thing. So what I was gonna do was just go to school and when I turn eighteen, when I graduate, I'm going to Hollywood or New York. I'm not going to college. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> but uh my mom was like, No, you're going to school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. I'll, I'll just make it work. So, but anyway, in between that time, um, I was able to get on a show called Electric Factory that was filmed in Durham, North Carolina. Okay. I was like, I remember that was the power company. Never mind. Like, yeah, well, I think the club, still, not a TV show. Like, that's yeah, the only thing was, I know. It was a club, right? Called the yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, I think we filmed at the power company. Okay. Yeah. Okay, it's like yeah, downtown right? Durham. Yeah. So I made it on that show, and then the producers of that show heard about a film that Debbie Allen was doing called Stomping at the Savoy. And um, I had a chance to audition, and she picked me and a few other dancers out of Raleigh, North Carolina, to be dance extras in her first film in Wilmington. That was like 1991, 92. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was it. That was my first job. I went down to Wilmington and I started doing that. And so I was like a dance extra in so many films, you know, like anything I could get my hands in or anything like that. I was doing it. I would audition and I would get in and I was like, yes, I make it. So that's now, how I was. Now, what was it like, though, to work with one of your icons, someone that you looked up to and wanted to one day work on fame? And now you're in a movie with her dancing, no less. What did that feel like? What was that um, moment it, for you? Well, it was amazing. But truthfully, um, I didn't know what manifesting was back then, to be mm -hmm. honest. But mm -hmm. I think I really manifested her into my life. And I say that because when I was 18, when I was in high school, my last paper, they were like in my, my senior um, English class, it was, you can write about anybody or anything that you want to. This is your last paper. And so I chose my paper on Debbie Allen. Okay. And I remember I got like a B plus because it was too long. Oh, <laughs> I was like, excuse me. <laughs> long. But yeah, they were like, yeah. you know, the teacher was like, it was too long, but it was, you know, great. I, I know you love her, but it was just too long. Oh, like, all right. So, um, but I didn't realize that was happening for me. You know, I like I had no idea that I was like kind of like willing her into my life or that whole mm -hmm. manifestation thing because it was literally 
like a year later, I had the chance to audition. And I remember going up to her like, idiot, I didn't know I was supposed to do that. But I went up to her and I was like, oh my God, Miss Allen, I'm so excited to meet you. I love you. You're like my favorite. And she was like, okay, honey. Okay, calm down. Go over there to do. I was like, oh. <laughs> and she um, called me like Mary Poppins. And I was like, okay, I don't know what that means, but okay, whatever. I'll take it. Yeah. Either way, I got in her movie, so I was happy. Right. No, yeah. but I mean... I know for the first film that I kind of did with an icon, it was the same. T well, unlike yourself, I did the complete opposite where I just froze and just mm -hmm. was like, this is my life. Like, now what do I do? Like, I got to work with her. I'm pretty much done. Let's see who else, you know, type of thing. So I was curious if it inspired you to want to do more things or if it was more or less even more interesting. You, you made an impression, Mary Poppins. Yeah. I guess I made an impression. But that was such a great film because I was like 19. Um, I was in college. I was at Lewisburg College, and they let me have extra time from school. I got like a little party so I could go film and work on that. And it was just a great – I mean, it was amazing because Lynn Whitfield was in it. Right. Vanessa okay. Williams and you know, all these great people. And Jasmine Guy. And I was like – I need to watch this movie. I don't know why I've never heard of it. Yeah, Stomping at the Savoy. Okay. Yeah, it's a beautiful film. Yeah. yeah. I can yeah. only imagine because she's an amazing dancer. Her fame was amazing, but she's done mm -hmm. so, she's directed so many films since then. Mm -hmm. Have you guys crossed paths again? Because I feel like we'll get to it. Okay, we'll keep going. <laughs> so after Savoy, what was, uh -huh. for you, what was that process like as far as like, you did your big film. Now, how did you keep working in the entertainment industry? Because- you're well, still in North I, Carolina. I was still in North Carolina. And luckily, you know, Wilmington, North Carolina had opportunities as well. So I did The Crow. Especially in the 90s. Yeah, there was really? like, wow. I don't know if you remember. Yeah. I, worked on I do. I remember. Because we lived here then. Mario Brothers, dancer in that. And then I kind of learned what extras was. And I didn't, cause I didn't really know anything about it. Because I was working on the films, but I was always booked as a dancer. Okay. So then um, I did a little extra work, and then I met a young lady named Camille when I was doing it as well. But um, I love her. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> that and oh, I should have um, brought up the picture of you from that film because Shake, Rattle, and Roll. You were amazing and so beautiful in that film. Thank the, you. I mean, we met before that, but yeah, it was leading to that. Yeah, yeah, and I did a movie. Um, in North Carolina that Tim Reed directed called Once Upon a Time When We Were Colored. Okay. And I was a dancer in that one. And that was the first time I had ever really um, heard about a stand-in. Like, I feel like mm. I saw them on set, but mm -hmm. I didn't really know what it was. I didn't really have to pay attention because by the time I would come to set, the stand-in was probably, like, off somewhere. Or I just didn't really see the stand-in, you know. But, mm -hmm. um... I, uh, that was the first time that I was like pulled to stand in and that was for Sally Richardson. So I was Wait. like, oh, that's so cool. Pose Sally Richardson? Yeah. Posse, not Pose. Like, I'm thinking of yeah. Billy Porter. Sorry. So, wow. Mm -hmm. and that's a full circle. We're going to get to it just because I know your life yep. already. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> talk about manifestations. Okay. And small worlds. So mm -hmm. then after you did some extra work and so on, when did you decide to learn a little bit more about the film industry or really try to pursue it to a point where it was your full-time thing? Well, it was more of, it was, it was already in my blood. Like once I did those few things, I was like, yeah. okay, I just got to go ahead and try to step out on faith. And, and it was always like, I knew I needed to be in school. I knew I needed to finish, you know, college and all that. But I just had this passion and this pull. I was just always a different kind of kid growing up. And in <laughs> high school, I was different. Like, I went to Broughton High School, but I used to go over to Inlo and do all their talent shows. I used to sneak over there and get in with, the, with my friends and be like, yeah, yeah I am over here. Come on, y'all. I'm going to get these. Because Broughton didn't have that. Okay. So um, it was just... Um, I feel like my life has always been stepping out on faith. Okay. That's just basically what it is. So I became a flight attendant in like 21. Oh, wait, I want to curious. What did you uh, major in college? Uh, <laughs> I know that about you. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't finish. Oh. Um, it was, it was dance. Cause 
okay. oh wait i have to tell you when i was 14 i went yeah. to the school of the arts in the mm. summer north carolina school of the arts okay. and then later on i learned about debbie allen wanting to go to that school and jada pinkett going to that you know it was just like one of those things i was like i had no idea yeah, yeah. it's just because for me i was I going to new york their school program yeah. I was like, I was going to joke. I was going to say, I wonder about their school program if they didn't teach you about stand-ins and um, background extras, but you were going there for dance. Yeah, totally. Completely <laughs> different. Yeah. But I had like a very like computer, like engineering mind. So that's what I probably should have done was just going to engineering. But no, no, I wanted to do show business and entertainment. And um, so I ended up becoming a flight attendant really young <laughs> like 21 22 so i worked for a small airline called midway so and i was out of raleigh so my plan was i'll be a flight attendant and that way i can fly to california and fly to new york and i can audition still have a job still be able to eat and have insurance and have a place to live and all that fun stuff so that's what i did yeah. yep so i would go to new york and i would um, take class at the broadway dance center Oh, I would go to LA and take classes and all that kind of stuff. So I, I was serious about it. Yeah. What a fun twenties too to be able to travel yes. and yes. then take all those classes wherever you needed mm -hmm. to take them. I mean, that's one of the things I feel like with the pandemic has kind of given us that opportunity where location doesn't limit us as far as getting those classes from LA, New York. You're right have you but to be able right. to go and do it in person like yeah a lot of model and actors i'm learning either were flight attendants married to a flight attendant oh, <laughs> or somebody really? working in the yeah i'm learning this now or they had the um hopper pass or something i don't i don't know the right term for buddy it passes. Uh, buddy pass there we go yeah. yeah yeah so they could be able to do that if they lived in a smaller market like mm -hmm. granted when in the 90s like north carolina was third in the nation for filming they were filming a lot of great films yes. here on a regular yeah. basis like you didn't yeah. have to so. but the more that i studied and learned about north carolina i learned that in order for me to be uh, one through ten on the call sheet i mm -hmm. needed to learn more about the business in front and behind and i also needed to take more classes and put myself in situations to grow because I always wanted to book those shows in North Carolina, but I needed to learn the craft. I really need to learn the business. And there was a lot of great teachers and people in mm -hmm. Wilmington and in Raleigh and in Charlotte. But for me, at that time, I wanted to be one of the numbers on one through 10 on the call sheet. Yeah. I didn't want to be someone that they just picked up just because. Yeah. Right. You know? Well, can you explain to the audience, just in case they don't understand the differences, I was going to bring it up a little bit later, but might as well do it now, as far as with background extras, the difference, stand in, and then also with the importance of one to 10 on the call sheet, because they don't know principal actors stuff yet. Well, um, so <laughs> one of the things that happens, like whenever you get on a TV show or a commercial or a film, you will be either background or you might be stand-ins or you might be a co-star, a guest star, or you might be the lead principal, however you want to say it. And so um, a great way to get in the business and learn is to figure out how to be a uh, background actor because they're very important. They're very essential to the show. Um, you, need, you have to have the atmosphere in the back to help tell the story. And then as far as the stand-in, the stand-in is the person that comes in and they help with the lighting for the actor and for the director of photography, for the gaffer, for the whole lighting crew. They need someone that is similar height and similar complexion that can stand there and help them with the lights. Like even with my lights are not done right. But if your lights are good for the actor, I'm just going to keep it real. Um, no, it was weird because before it was perfect and then all of a sudden it went real yellow, but I didn't. I didn't yeah, know I don't know. Air, so I didn't want to distract from what we were doing. Is that, that's not better, is it? I didn't. It's better on one side. <laughs> it's better on one side? Isn't that something? Isn't that special? I know. Technology. Oh, it, it was good. Whatever you did, like, there. Perfect. A little that's less. Yellow. Yeah, a little bit. Oh, that's really too bright. You're like killing it. There you go. Is that good? Okay. Yeah, that's better. Oh, okay. Well, then turn up. All right. Who knew? <laughs> Speaking of stand-in, so that's what a stand-in does. Basically. Yes, we, we work with the lighting. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Oh, Perfect. So yeah. we work with the 
lighting on shows, you know, and, and you'll get what is called sides. It's like the script or just the scene for that day. Um, an AD or a production assistant will walk up to you. They'll give you that and you have to have a color cover. So anyway, you go through, you, you figure out what the lines are. You don't have to learn the lines, but just get familiar to the scene and know what's going on, basically, yeah. is what happens. I felt it was good just to even sometimes watch the rehearsals. So you mm -hmm. would see exactly how the actor moved or what they did. And just, I would circle certain things on my side to keep up. Yeah. Yeah. And if you are in the union, if you're able to get in the SAG, it's a great way to keep some income coming in and health insurance and pension. But that's a whole nother story. Girl, they mad in the streets about all of that, which we'll talk maybe if we have time at the end of the show. Cause yeah, I'm, I'm that's what y'all get for voting yes. But anyway, um, moving forward. So <laughs> you're doing all these different classes all over the country, being able to go and do all of that. What do you think, or even going back some, because you got to work with Sally Richards, Richardson, you got to work with um, Debbie Allen. Were there any advice that they gave you or anything you learned from working with some of these great women in film that you still use today that you would want to share with others so they could also use that in there? Well, um, I can't think of anything right off the top, but I can say um, because both jobs that I had with them initially, like when I was a stand-in for Sally, I had no idea what I was doing. And so I was so busy trying to learn the job and stay out of her way that I didn't really try to make a rapport with her at all. That just was not what, it, what I was there for. And for Miss um, Allen, it's kind of the same way. I just stay out of their way, you know, let them do their thing. But um, I'm so proud of what Sally is doing because she's a director now. Mm -hmm. And she's an amazing director, you know, and it's just another woman to look up to. And I just would have never known, or you know, like it's just the fact that back then it just wasn't a lot of female directors at all yeah you know but i just love that they have stayed in the business and that they are thriving and it just gives me so much comfort and just to be happy to know that yeah i can't say i did work with them they may not remember but <laughs> that's all right it inspired you it kept you going it kept you motivated right. and sometimes even if they don't say anything to you directly to give you like just seeing their work ethic sometimes or just seeing how they break down a scene or whatever it may be that you right. just you know, you get inspiration from it all. And I was just curious but if you got the chance, because you never know, it could have been a great story. <laughs> but um, so moving on, tell us, like, what made you make that transition to Miami and then L.A.? My mom. Okay. Um, so uh, Midway Airlines, the airline I was working for, they pretty much was not able to survive after September 11th. So um, therefore, we the, the company went bankrupt. So we all lost our jobs and I was trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life. So my mom happened to have a home in Miami and I was like, hmm, do I stay in Raleigh or do I go to Miami with mommy? You know, <laughs> not hard decisions. How could you yeah. ever choose? What do I do? You know, because I was just kind of stuck. I said, I just don't know what I should do, but I knew that there would be a lot of opportunities in Miami. Right. And so um, by that time, I already had, I was, uh, I wasn't in a union, but I was eligible. Okay. And I knew that there was a lot of commercials down there. So I took my talents to Miami okay. and I was there for two years and I ended up having to get like a regular job, you know, cause she was like, you can't come down here and not work. I was like, of course not. I'm trying to bring myself out cause I'm going to LA. I'm yeah. still thinking in my mind, I'm going to LA. I'm going to try it. So I went there and just got a regular job and worked in the buying office for, um, at that time, it was called Burdine's May Department Store. And then it ended up um, going, the, I'm sorry, Macy's bought them out. Okay. So when Macy's bought them out, my job, once again, I got laid off again. So that was my way to go to LA. I was like, you know, Rhonda, just do it. You mm -hmm. just got to go in there. Everything keeps getting pulled from, the, like the rug just keeps getting pulled out from you. So you need to go in and go, like, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah. So what was your plan of action to move to L.A.? Because L.A. It can be really, really tough, especially your first year. Yeah. And to have a game plan or something set up. I think a lot of people are just like, I, I went with a dollars in my bank account and was walking down Hollywood Boulevard and I was discovered. Never happened. So 
<laughs> Tell never, me how it's never overnight. You think it's overnight, but it's never overnight. I promise it you, it's yeah. not overnight. Um, I had a plan, but everything fell through. Okay. So I just, I pretty much, honestly, LA was more like, okay, just go. Yeah. You know, like I may have had like $1,800 in my account. I'm not even quite sure because I was still trying to make it up from being laid off from the airline and then going to Miami. And then because I was I wanted to get a place in Miami, you know, so I'm going to live with my mom the whole time. But, you know, I was in the middle of doing that when the job was like, no, you're going to be uh, released. I was like, oh. Okay. So I just went for it and I did not really have a plan. I ended up going out there and working for Urban Outfitters okay. in Burbank, California. I got an apartment in North Hollywood. I had this awesome situation where um, another young man named Poncho um, had just... Remember Poncho? You remember Poncho, right? <laughs> yeah. We had talked and met the summer before and we were like, I'm moving to LA. I said, I'm going to move to LA too because he was in town for... Um, I don't think I ever before. met him. But really? I remember us talking about him a lot, your roommate, yeah. now that you said the name. Talented, yeah. yeah. So he um, he was like, yeah. I'm going to move. So I'm going to move too. All right, all right. Well, when you get out there, let me know. I'll let you know when I get out there. And so sure enough, he let me know when he got out there. And then um, I was trying to figure out where I was going to live. And I couldn't figure out where I was going to live. But I found a place. Luckily, it was around the corner from where he was living in North Hollywood. Mm -hmm. And then I had Lamont was out there too. So wait, wait, wait! You gotta say Lamont who because they're not gonna understand that it's Lamont Rucker from Greenleaf. Lamont Rucker. <clears throat> yes, Lamont Rucker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'll do the name dropping for you. Go ahead, girl. Yeah, yeah. So I was just blessed to have them as like my big brothers out there to protect yeah. me and you know look out for me. And um, that was whenever I started back into okay. So I learned more about being in a union as far as with SAG and how it can benefit me and with the, all, you know, all the good stuff with SAG. So I said, okay. So I started doing background work and just so I could have a job. So I would work at Urban Outfitters and then I got back into doing background work. Okay. And so that's pretty much how it was. So luckily for me, I didn't struggle in California. I didn't have any like horrible stories, but mm -hmm. I was definitely safe in a great situation because I was going to give myself a year and leave. But I had, I pretty much had it going by like the third month I was there. Mm -hmm. I was good. I was oh, good. Yeah. Now, um, is there any advice you would give to anyone as far as moving to LA? Like when, because there's never going to be a perfect time to move to follow your dream. Like that's just never going to mm -hmm. happen. Or even like you mentioned, perfect um, plan of action because it's going to possibly fall apart. But you just never know what you're going to land into. Hello, pandemic. But yeah. Let's just say, is there any advice you would give for anyone that's thinking about making that jump? I would say um, don't let anyone tell you that you can't go or that you can't do it, but have a plan. Now, if you are pursuing acting, I would suggest that you don't go to L.A. until the job calls for you. Like already have an agent, already have your car, your SAG membership. Um, already have a place, already have transportation. I wouldn't go out there blind. Back in 2005, you know, whenever you and I went out there, um, the internet was not as big and even cell phone and everything. Like we had them, but the resources that are available to you now, I would say, please use it and do not, do not go unless you're fully prepared, but don't let anyone say that you can't do it, if that makes any sense. Like come up with a plan and go. Now, if you book a show, of course, you got to go. So I would suggest that you already have the agent, have the show, have all that together. But don't go out there completely empty handed. Mm -hmm. No headshot, no resume, no real, no agent, no friends, no yes. place to stay. California, Los Angeles will eat you up. Oh my gosh, and yeah. you will end up going right out there and waiting tables or doing stuff that you didn't want to do, then you won't even have time to audition. You won't even have time to take classes and network because you're trying to live, you're trying to survive. LA is extremely expensive. Yeah. So you yeah. got to have a plan. If you do not have a plan, it's just not going to work out for you. Mm -hmm. And one thing I didn't think about when people were talking about LA is expensive, mm -hmm. it's in the sense of parking, valet, like you're paying for things you never may have paid for in your smaller area that you're coming from that you have to now start thinking about. It's real. 
laundry mats. Eric and, and I, <laughs> I didn't. I remember my first place. I didn't even know to ask about Central Air because I assumed everyone had that by then, especially in LA. And yeah, my first place didn't have air conditioning. It did. No. Mm -mm. Okay. Well, how about the refrigerator? I had a refrigerator, but I didn't have a dishwasher, did? which I didn't oh know that was God. something. You that, know, back in the day, yeah. we didn't have refrigerators, so you had to buy a refrigerator or go on Craigslist to mm -hmm. get a refrigerator. Yeah, mm. I'm assuming it's still the same way. Probably. I think because the turnaround is so um, high in LA that um, the apartment buildings they just don't offer refrigerators and they break down and they just don't do it. Now that could have changed, but refrigerators are normally like one of the first things that you need to get whenever you get your apartment. Don't worry about a couch, a bed or anything. You need to get a refrigerator. <laughs> and I should say my place was fully furnished too. Oh. Yeah. Cause I sold all my furniture. I was like, mm -hmm. cause the first time I'd moved out, I didn't sell my furniture. I was planning to move in with this girl get to the house. And it looked like the film hoarders mixed with a serial killer. Cause there was like blood in places that there shouldn't be. And I was like, Oh no. I mean, even the movers uh -huh. was like, um, if you were my daughter, I wouldn't let you move in here. I, I saw where you moved from in North Carolina. And uh, uh, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. Like he didn't want to yeah. say like, he called his manager and they worked out a deal for me. So I wouldn't have to. So yeah, the next time I moved out, I sold all my, I was like, Nope, not, yeah. not getting hell to that again. And yeah. Then, I don't yeah. blame me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of tricks to LA that you have to learn before you get there. So you're mm -hmm. better prepared. Mm -hmm. You have yeah. got and to now we have the joys of webcam and FaceTime. So we're like, show me the place, walk around. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, now, even with jobs, you know, you don't have to, you know, you can always self-tape the audition, mm -hmm. you know, and then definitely book it or at least self-tape it in the South, then get the call back, hopefully virtually second self-tape and then fly out to do the job, you know, whereas you get out there, you got to get the money to get around. We didn't have Uber. So nope. you had to have a car and you had to get around to get to the auditions and you will spend your whole, it'll, it'll take a, like a three hour process for a 10 minute audition, 10 minute mm -hmm. or less audition in LA, mm -hmm. you know? So Especially coming from the Valley. Yeah. That's the yeah. you. Yeah. Just, yeah, I did. This. I think I mess with you all the time, even when we because I lived on the west side and she lived in the valley. And I was like, yeah. girl, that's like going to a different country. We would always see each other when you would meet me halfway, like you were coming to Hollywood for something, Hollywood and Vine or wherever. Because yeah. yeah. I was like, that's the only way to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because mm -hmm. you could get stuck on traffic. But even with all the parking rules and laws there, mm -hmm. like Tuesday, nine o'clock, they're going to have street cleaners. So you can't park here. And it's a lot, people. Be, it's a lot. Be prepared. Be prepared. Just be prepared. So when did you make the transition from working? Because even in Miami, we didn't really talk about it that much, but you were mm -hmm. working with ethnicity models and you were doing mm -hmm. casting and so forth with them. At what point mm -hmm. did you make that transition to also work behind the camera and other than stand in, in the sense of like really working, I mean, that's working behind the camera too, but you're on set doing it as opposed to part of production and really getting into it. What you mean, what, like as far as in Miami? How did, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. How did that transition go? Because you talked about Macy's, but you never mentioned how you got working with ethnicity models, casting. Right. Okay. So um, what happened was my good friend Portia was a model for ethnicity. Okay. And she was great friends with Lashana Stanley, the owner of it. And one day uh, we were, so she was in Miami and we were together and she was like, I have a casting. Can you go help? Or can you just at least take me down there? And I was like, okay, yeah, I'll take you to South beach. Cause we were in North Miami area. So we go down there and I was like, Oh my God. And I was so fascinated with LaShawn and what she was doing because she, you know, was a, I mean, she's a, not, I mean, she is a business owner and, yeah. um, I just love the whole idea of ethnicity models and what she had going on. And so I basically started auditioning as a dancer. Like when she would have dance opportunities, I would do that. And then I would um, work on, gosh, I can't remember the name, but I did. I had an agency down there as well called the Green Agency. And I was with Boca Talent. So I would go out and do commercials and I would do commercials in the Latin market as well because I had the big curly hair and... Um, kind of like past like the Dominican type, you know, whatever, you know, it was a hustle. Yeah. 
because I would work <laughs> at Macy's and then I would, <laughs> I would, you know, work with ethnicity. I love this. Wait, because you always hear of Afro-Latinas kind of the opposite side of it mm -hmm. where like Rosario Dawson or Zoe, Zoe mm -hmm. Zaldana, but you never hear of um, a black person playing an Afro-Latina person. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So mm -hmm. I love that. I didn't open my mouth. Look, Ancestry.com might prove it's true anyway. So we don't know where we're from. I ain't open my mouth. I would just go yeah. and just, you know, do that, you know, for fun. I mean, it was just so much fun, you know, because when you're young like that, you just want the opportunity to just get in front of the camera and just work. And Ethnicity Models did that. That was my first taste of like getting behind the camera, mm -hmm. really, for real, and learning the business in the music video world and the commercial world as well. So I was able to take all that knowledge I kept getting from her and living in Miami. So when I went out to LA, I was just even more open to not being so pressed to be in front of the camera, but mm -hmm. okay with being behind the camera because you can be a producer, you can be a writer, you can be a creative behind the camera and it's okay. Cause everybody's not made to be in front of the camera. That's just how it is. Yeah, you know? I mean, like on one side, it's harder for black women to get those opportunities in front of the mm -hmm. camera. But at the same time, a lot of these films, they kind of keep using the same people over and over again. Yeah. To some extent. So if you can get behind the scenes and work your way in that way too, is also an option. So, cause now you've worked on some really great shows and some really great films. Mm -hmm. Can you share any fun stories that you would like to share about working on any of those or that you remember? Cause Everybody loves the shows you work on. I'm gonna go ahead and label some of them. Like True Blood, yeah, loved that show, and you were a stand-in for um, Tara. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm yeah. sorry. I always call it yeah her real name. Yeah. I don't know people's real names. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Normally, I don't even remember the character names, but I remember that one because Tara and Pam were like my favorites on in Lafayette. Were my favorites just to watch their interactions and so on. So that had to be a fun show to watch work on that show was amazing i fell into that situation because i had to once again keep up with my insurance and type stuff with sag that's a whole nother story kind of hard to explain but mm -hmm. i saw the posting about um true blood and i didn't know what it was but they needed background people so i was like okay well i'll do it you know i need a few days jump to did the pilot there's only like maybe three african-american people in the background that was kind of interesting. But what I did was I just sat back and watched what was going on and how HBO and how the execs moved. Mm -hmm. And then um, they brought in um, one actress to do Tara originally. And then um, when the show, with I guess with the chemistry and everything, they decided to hire another actress. Sure enough, they brought in Retina Wesley, who was my complexion, my height. And um, the extras casting was like, she sent me a message and said, do you know how to stand in? And I'm like, girl, yes. Yeah. And then I was thinking <laughs> myself like, I know I've done it before, but either way, I'm going to figure it out. Luckily, all the other stand-ins were for, um, from another HBO, um, Six Feet Under. So oh, they fun. were very, they already had like a nice little chemistry with them. So they just pretty much went from one Alan Ball show to another kind of thing. Okay. So the point is, is that, because um, I don't want to bore you, um, this isn't boring. I love that show. <laughs> Look, I'm still thinking, who was the original actress? Yeah, she was. She was. Man, she she was actually amazing. But you know, it's just how it's just how the business goes. Sometimes. Because now I'm like determined to look it up on IMDb if they even share it, but probably not. But you can tell me off camera. <laughs> well, um, so you know, um, that's pretty much how I got on True Blood. But truthfully. I would stand, I used to stand in on Grey's Anatomy. That was really what I did in the very beginning, which I really learned the job on how to be a stand-in and how to be professional and how that goes. So that was the, my first, like, kind of like steady job in a sense. Because um, okay. I would cover the stand-in that was standing in for the Bailey character. So don't judge me. That's I how that was. Grey's Anatomy. I just know it was really popular, but I don't know. Yeah. It made me cry too much. I couldn't take it. I was like, it's so emotional. <laughs> I watched the episode you were on and that really had me crying. That uh, scene where all the doctors and nurses oh, are. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. 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 
Yeah. I love that scene. That was just so supportive of women and everything during that time. So that was amazing. But anyway, um, so you worked on True Blood. You worked on Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. You worked on Private Practice. Private Practice, yeah. Audra McDonald stand-in. And originally, um, I think I was too tall. I mean, I'm sorry. I was too short for that to stand in. So the extras casting didn't send me over to that show originally. They put out a casting call for someone to stand in. And my friend Tamara actually was the one that had got it. So I taught her and explained to her the, you know, the whole behind the scenes things with being a stand in so that she would go to set and be great. Right. And then um, whenever she moved from LA, um, that one of the ADs still remembered me from Grey's and all that. So I literally would work uh, five months out of the year, I would be on True Blood. And then the other five months, basically, out of the year, I would be on private practice. Wow. So I was busy doing both of those shows for like five years. And that's New Orleans and L.A. So you were going back and forth to do different places, too. I'm sorry. What was right. um, True Blood's in was filmed in, in um, New Orleans. No. But Grace, no. Oh, it's not. No, no, that was in L.A. I had no idea this whole time. Yeah, I was in L.A. I had no idea. I thought it was filmed in New Orleans, and that's yeah. what I just automatically assumed that's how you got on Queen's Sugar because they already nope. knew you in New Orleans. Nope. nope. Yeah, she works on Queen's Sugar too. We'll get to that. But wow. See, I yeah. learned so much interviewing. I need to interview all my friends, I feel. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, it, was, it was in LA. So I was at um, Raleigh Studios, and then I would go to Hollywood. I would go to the lot. Okay. And then I would go to Warner Brothers. So I would go to all these different, those are like my places. So I got comfortable doing that. You know, um, years, standing that's... in on those shows and then in between I might do a commercial here and there or I might get a line or two in, in a show. But that was my life, you know, mm -hmm. living in L.A. for, well, True Blood ran for seven seasons. So that was like 2017 to, I'm sorry, 2007 to 2014. Okay. And then Private Practice was like 2008 to 2012. Okay. So it was it was great. And then yeah. I was a nurse on private practice. So that was awesome because they, you know, let me get lines here and there, a couple of episodes. And, yeah. and I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How much fun was that to even be able to pretend you know what medical terms you're talking of? I would think that was, would be fun. It was actually great because yeah. it was it was the whole manifest thing that I didn't even know I was doing, truthfully, because um, when I was younger as a little girl, I I was like a professional Michael Jackson impersonator, right. but I also, also was a neighborhood nurse. Hmm. And so I would walk around with my uh, little nurse bag or doctor bag and um, all that stuff. And anybody be out uh, skating and you fall. Oh, I was there with my band-aids, honey. <laughs> I was going to take care of you. Oh my God, you're so adorable. See, you've I'm always been a superhero. Oh man, the band-aid may not stick. <laughs> But I had Band-Aids. I yeah. mean, my mom had to go out and get me all the little alcohol pads. All the little, oh, come on. Oh, uh, that's the one that took care. So it was just that whole thing. So in my mom's mind, she probably thought I was going to be a nurse or a doctor or something like yeah. that. You know, because I was always the caretaker. And I was always the one that was doing it for my friends. But no, mm -mm, honey, I was going to go be famous. You're like, I'll just play that on TV. I don't yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a lot of school. I had no idea that I would actually get on a show and actually pretend to be a nurse or play to be a nurse and all that kind of stuff. So oh, fun. So, mm -hmm. all right. So you did True Blood. You did Grey's Anatomy, mm -hmm. uh, private practice. What was, how did you go from working all those films in LA to New Orleans then? Aha. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. Now that it's not the True Blood connection. I am like, my mind's blown. I just totally knew that was all done. But yeah. now I'm like, is that better? Is that light better? That's the best. Oh my gosh. Whatever you did, don't don't change it. Dude. Whatever it was. Oh. You were man. really hot. I didn't want to keep time. I just looked at myself and I was like, dang, I look yellow. Yeah. Oh, oh. Tifa. Oh. Everybody's so sweet. Okay. Look, we'll get distracted oh, with the comments. Let's keep going. Okay. Yeah. Because you got so much great strength. We haven't even got to the good stuff you're doing now, and we only have like 20 minutes left. Oh, all right. See, it goes fast. Okay, yeah, it does. And and um, but I didn't know he was gonna go so deep, like so far in the back. Ooh. But anyway, <laughs> you got 
like I've known you for a very long time, but we never, yeah. I've mean, never been like, Hey girl, so when did you do this? And when did you do that? And did it? So now I get to ask all those questions that have been in the back of my head, like, oh, and I did not know about true blood being in LA. So that threw me off. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. They did all the pickup shots in New Orleans and Shreveport. And, That's um, yes. So they would do it out there and then they would piece it together within the show. That's, okay. that's just how it would go. But um, so um, how I got to Georgia. Well, um, I started dating this great guy and uh, he wanted to be in Georgia. He didn't want to come to California. That's the truth. And um, if, if he's watching, I don't know. Um, whatever he ever tells you is that he didn't want me. I wanted him. He didn't want me when we first met. But that's a whole other joke. Anywho, um, so <laughs> whenever True Blood went down and mm -hmm. um, private practice had already shut down and I was, I was out there. I love living in California. It was great. But I felt like it was just probably time to be on the East Coast and take everything I had learned and make it grow like potentially in North Carolina, but he wanted to be in Georgia. So I was like, okay, well, we'll do Georgia. And that's basically how I got to Georgia, but I would still be going back and forth. And to this day, I still go back to LA to work, to get things going and to network. Cause that's just best for me. Mm -hmm. And then, um, Retina, we stayed friends. I mean, it was like magic 2007. I don't know. It was like, I got another little sister. We had so much in common and, and she was just so beautiful and good to me and so we um stayed connected and she booked the role she booked the job on queen sugar and okay. she called me and she was like hey you'll never believe this and i'm like what's going on are you doing a movie like someplace and i was like oh i hope she is because i want to go like whatever it is and she nice. was like well i booked a series and i was like really she says in new orleans and i was like oh okay that's good that's great i was excited but i was also what's that to do with me no, i'm kidding <laughs> do a movie or, you know but yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't even um standing in anymore but I just you know I was just so happy for her and then she goes yeah so it's Ava DuVernay and oh listen before she could even say Oprah yeah. I was like sis for real I was like okay so I mean what do I need to do like, right right put me on like, yeah. I don't know um and I said, okay, well, I want to go. If there's an option, I would love to go. And they made it happen. Production made it happen. And, um, you know, prior to that job, I had only been to New Orleans one time for a game, just, just a quick game. And then I left. I think it was like a Rockets and Pelicans game. And But I had never experienced New Orleans. I didn't know anything about New Orleans. And mm -hmm. I am so thankful that I, once again, stepped out on faith and went to new orleans with her um because it's just been an amazing thing and yes standing in but it's not really a but like i create i have created so many friends and family from that show that um they working on um queen sugar you know with all the females and all that great stuff that's it's that all person. women directors the entire all time. All women directors, and it's a lot of like amazing women behind the scenes, and like you know, like department heads and stuff like that. As far as that show, so it's just it's not only female directors; it's all that stuff. Look, so. here comes Jamie. Ah, he wants to save the night, save the day, and be your knight in shining <laughs> armor. <laughs> I love that. What a sweetheart. What did Angela say? Oh, she's you got choked up thinking about the beginning of a new opportunity. Oh, that's, that's exactly right. what it is. Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so you started working on that, and this is where those full circle moments come in because Debbie Allen has directed on that. So, or no, she hasn't. No, Sally Richardson, Allen, definitely. No, um, I mean. I felt like I, oh, well, her husband works on it. That's probably why I assumed she. Queen Sugar? Yes, her husband is, what's his, Sally Richardson? Oh, you're her husband. Richardson. You're talking about yeah. Andre. Right. You had me up here like, oh my God. Because I just watched the Zoom with her and she yeah. was talking about directing. Yeah. And, yeah, Norm, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm, is she lying? <laughs> no. Okay, no, vindication. No, no. 
You're right, exactly. Full circle. I'll do my research. Yes, yeah. it came back around because he, um, you know, was an actor on the show and she came to direct. And I, I think I did get a chance to tell her in the hair and makeup trailer. I was like, I was your stand in all that kind of stuff. It was too much going on. I don't know if she quite knew what I was saying, but it, but. And that's exactly what I'm saying, like the whole perseverance with this business and just reinventing yourself and just knowing that you can still, you know, make it, you know, it's not about just doing one thing in a business. You can do so many other things. And, and there's so many different avenues, yeah. right? That could still end up in the greatest place that you are meant to be. Yep. Now, since we brought up Mr. Jamie anyway, and you've made that transition to also being a manager and so on. I want to make sure we talk about that so we can talk about your series that you're right. shopping as well. So let, yeah, how did that come about with working with athletes, some really big name athletes? Yes. <laughs> so what happened with that was in the meantime, like me just trying to figure out what to do when I, when I, when I was in Georgia and, you know, like, okay, all right, this is a whole different thing. Um, he pretty much convinced me. He said, okay, well, you know, these I'm getting these contracts and things coming up from ESPN and, and um, just different jobs or Adidas. He was like, I don't really understand the contract. Maybe you could just help me with it. And if you think one of my guys fit, we could send them out to audition. I was like, all right, cool. And so I would say like about a third job that came through and Jamie, one of his guys booked it. I was like, wait, I need to figure out how to make this a business for me. And not mm -hmm. make it a conflict of interest because I still want to pursue acting myself. But I knew if I manage people, um, especially athletes, it would be a cool transition. I would still keep my ear to the game and know what was going on. So that's how Goldie Bell pretty much happened. Because it was originally going to be like a production company type thing. But then... Um, I wasn't really getting a lot of, you know, drive with that. So I was like, well, I just made it into a talent management company for athletes, for current and former athletes. And I've always been big in philanthropy and doing things in the community. So I just put all that together. Mm -hmm. And so it was kind of like, all right, well, we can work together. I can get things going for you. But, you know, you got to do things in the community as well or try to do things to uplift. and Here be comes positive. that nurse again. Put it all together. Yep. Yeah. That went down. You're doing everything you were you were doing as a kid, but yeah. it didn't yeah. exist then. So it was yeah. so easy to think doctor yeah. this, but now look at you. Mm -hmm. So tell me with all the different things that you've done and all the different, like for, be, besides being in front of the camera, besides the camera, like everywhere in the camera in that mm -hmm. sense, even taking pictures for your athletes and so on. Mm -hmm. What been, do you feel like? the part of it that's giving you the most joy of what you do? The children that I meet and come across. When I, whenever I do events for yeah. uh, the athletes or whenever I'm going to the shelter and doing things and all that, you know, because it's like I never went without growing up. And even now I've just been truly blessed. And so the joy that those kids get whenever they see those big, tall athletes come in the room, oh, man, it's, it's not anything like it for me mm -hmm. because they're just so excited. They're seeing their hero walk in. And right. so or the opportunity to help the parents with that is very huge for me. So, oh. you know, now, that's can the you joy. I want to, um, so we're going to show a little bit of after the game. Can you tell us a little bit about it before I yes. bring it up? So after the game is a series that I'm trying to get picked up. Um, it is loosely based about my life. It was written, um, what well, it is create, it was created and written by Tony Brooks and January Curry. They are best friends that, you know, January and I used to talk on the phone. She was a casting director and she would call me for my guys, you know, for auditions and opportunities. And we would just laugh and kiki on the phone for like almost a year and a half. We would talk on the phone before we actually met in person. And then, um, but I had no idea all the funny stories and things I was telling her. She was coming up with a show idea. Had no clue. So I was like, oh my God. <laughs> so uh, one day she called me and she said, yeah, I got to tell you something. Um, I came up with this idea. Um, I talked to Tony and we wrote it out and I want you to read it. And I was like, okay. And it took us about a year, another year and a half later after that. But then we started shooting the um, pretty much like the proof of concept for it. 
So we're going to get it picked up, but it's called After the Game. Okay. All right. I'm going to bring it in and let everybody see it as well. Yeah. Right? But I mean, I haven't been booking anything. Talent doesn't count for anything anymore? I mean, these girls aren't real actresses. You want me to manage your athlete? No, babe, look, I, I can't. I'm focused on my career. I can't focus on someone else's. Juicy, juicy. So we'll see a lot more juicy stuff about the behind the scenes of what your job entails. Yeah. Yeah. So we got to get that show picked up. Yeah. And this is my first time ever talking about it publicly. Oh, well, so. East Side exclusive. Yes. Okay. That, that, yes. Yes. Because originally I was going to be like, oh, you know, I'm not going to talk about it being, you know, loosely based off about me and, and yeah. the whole concept and all that. And then I was like, you know what? No, I need to start talking about it because I need to get this show picked up. It's going to be oh. a great show. And mm -hmm. it's the whole thing of um, I actually am using my clients and friends in the film. And oh, I'm sorry, in the series, mm -hmm. you know, so but they're not playing fan. themselves or what they really did. No, no. Okay. No. no. <laughs> I'm like, uh, oh, docu-series-ish? <laughs> no, it's it's just great. Um, there's a young lady named Marquita Goings that's playing Summerlee, who, who is basically Rhonda. And then Stevie Baggs Jr., a former NFL player, is playing um, Jason, who is basically Jamie. Okay. So, oh, I like that. Yeah. That's cute. That's kind yeah. of... Stayed in the same name category a little bit with yeah. it too. I love it. Yeah. I mean, and when I was just looking at the series and from us talking, I always think of it as being because you just kind of fix things or make things happen, whether it's helping your athletes starting their own foundations or getting them jobs. Like you're just one of those that, even though your title may be manager, there there's it's limitless what you'll help your people with. And so to mm -hmm. be able to put that on screen and just to show like how you're. I don't want to use Olivia Pope, but here we are. Um, you're like Olivia Pope of the sports world in a way and yeah. it meets entertainment in that sense. So I'm yeah. really excited about that series yeah. and really hope it gets picked up soon because. Thank you. Stop Netflix. Yes. Netflix. Forever. That's the one. Mm -hmm. Netflix. And we yeah. can always run this interview back of us talking and, you know, just homegirls having a good time. And when I start, laughing and trying to choke because I was going to say something really funny and then that that that's what I get for doing it, it kind of made me get a little choked up yeah <laughs> no, it's gonna be exciting I'm excited for you because you did another film Last Lux which was yes. a short film with Rutina actually yes and that was I mean what was that process like for you as well like so you got that a lot process, of great feedback from um, it that one was great because it was in 2016. We had just finished the first season of Queen Sugar. Um, and one of the, um, like the lead production assistant on Queen Sugar, Sierra, um, had the opportunity. She was like, okay, Ava said, I'm going to give you a chance to direct, but I need you to go ahead and write, produce, and direct a short film so I can have them, you know, just see what you're doing. So yeah. she went around set, was asking all different types of people, you know, like in different departments, can you help and all this stuff. And I was like, man, her passion, her drive, I got to see this girl make it. I, I want to be a part of this. So mm -hmm. sure enough, um, I helped her produce it along with another young lady named Lauren and um, Rutina. And we pulled different people, hair and makeup from the, sh from the show and lighting the gaffer, you know, our um, set dresser was our DP. And the show um, supported us, and that's what we did. You know, we shot, um, it was originally called Lipstick, okay. and then it got changed in Last Looks. And it is an amazing story. I don't want to give away, if you haven't seen it, what it's about, but it's definitely about family, and it's about listening to your family and what they might be going through. You know, because you just never know what they're going through, but just trying to do the best that you can to be there for them. And it has a, it touches on mental health a lot, yeah. which I think is very, um, is not discussed enough, but mental health is, is major. So no, 
for sure, especially yeah. in our community. Yeah, especially in our community. So um, that film is just very, very important. It was based off of a true story as well. And it was just amazing to do a film with one of my best friends and she was a star of it. So, you know, we got into a lot of different film festivals and all that good stuff. So that's exciting. I'm sorry. I had to ask that before I forgot because I was like, oh, we're almost running out of time. I didn't ask yeah. about um, Last Looks, but what are you expecting to, um, we talked about wanting to um, shop your series and so on, but what would you like to do with that? Where do you see that going? And What's next for Rhonda? What do you want to do next? You've conquered so much. What do you? What is your ultimate goal? Woo! I have a few goals. I can't. I can't lie about that. But I definitely want to do more with um, the Goldie Legacy, my foundation. Um, I have that with Elizabeth Lloyd, um, and she's based out of Houston. So we have the foundation where we work with athletes on that. I have another film called January Love. It's a short film. And I see that getting into like maybe like Lifetime or um, one of those channels like that. It's, it's yeah. based off of a true story as well. And um, I definitely want to create more. I, I am very strong, as we know, behind the scenes. But I am also someone that I, I do like to get in front of the camera a little bit here and there. But I want to keep creating. I want to keep pushing other people around me that want to do it. I want to give them the chance to really do it. And I would say my ultimate goal is to do a musical. Mm. I do want to produce a musical yeah. um, that will be a film, but I want, I want to do a musical one day. I just think that that would just be so much fun. I mean, since you brought it up, we got to talk about you being in kind of a musical with Shake, Rattle and Roll, where mm -hmm. you got to play like almost like the... It was like the Supremes, but not really the Supremes. And we both have a huge attraction for Diana Ross. So yeah. since we've got like 30 seconds, okay. tell us a little bit about that. Just okay. I'm in your uh, musical. So in 1999, I did a movie that was filmed in Charlotte called uh, Shake, Rattle, and Roll. It was a CBS miniseries. And I played a young lady named Lucille. And she was in a singing group called The Emeralds. And I had to sing, dance, and act. And it was amazing. And I was with Samaria Graham. And I love her. And we still friends this day and Shantae Moore. I love them. So just an amazing opportunity. Like your career is just, it's been constant, great opportunities, one right after the other. And then you can see why she's an amazing person, great personality, and just <laughs> such a joy to be around. What? I'm being serious for once. Well, you know, I made history. I, I came on your show and coughed. You've done more than that. Like nobody's gonna remember the cough part because I'll edit it out later. Don't make yeah. me edit. <laughs> no. edit it out. But I'm so happy friends and family are on here to watch. So with that being said, I know we don't have any time, but it's your show. You can make time. I don't know. I gotta say how proud I am of you. And um that's the biggest thing that I wanted to make sure I did. And um, because it takes a lot to step out on faith all the time. And I do it all the time. And I have so many friends that want to do what you're doing and they're not doing it. And you're not going to cry. But I'm going to tell you something. You can see, right? I'm, I'm like, extremely proud of you because I know what you've been through. I know how hard it is to do it. I know how many doors that have been slammed in your face. And I am so happy that you keep getting up and doing what you're doing. Okay. You're a mother you. and you're a hard worker. You've been doing this by yourself. You have to keep reinventing. You have to keep coming up with different ways to make it happen. And, and I am one of your biggest supporters because I already know what you've been through. I just know the struggle. And it's just not easy. We get so many no's all the time as a woman and so many as, a, as black women. You know, I mean, we're so they're going to do something and they don't do it. That's why I made sure I made the time to do this for you today. Seriously. I mean, and I, and I, I mean, I'm just, I just had to make sure I tell you because you know where I am every day at six o'clock, unless I'm doing something and I can't get out of it. I'm going to turn my phone on and I'm going to make sure I watch you and let you know that I'm there. I'm listening. I'm hearing you. And I'm extremely proud of you. Okay. This is not a crying type of show, dang now, but well, I was like, I'm not Barbara Streisand. Not Barbara Streisand. I did it again. Barbara Walters. I love you so much. And but I'm going to tell you, your, your show is going to I don't wear waterproof mascara. You're killing me. 
this is going to be amazing, you know, and I don't want you to change. Don't change for anybody. I'm telling you, Camille, you need to go ahead and just keep doing it the way that you're doing it, how you want to do it. Stay at the top of your ship. Still, you know, keep producing it and still keep working hard. It's going to pay off. It don't feel like it right now. I mean, just getting the opportunity to talk to so many people and learning from some of the top people in the business and even just the things I learned from you. But so many times when I hear these people talk about how they were able to overcome whatever challenges they had, it just gives me even more armor to protect myself. That same, you know, like it's, it helps me just as much as it helps whoever's watching. I swear. I love it. Yeah. And you know, time in quarantine is different from everybody else's because you're actually doing something. This is a healing moment for you as well, because you're not just sitting in the back in the corner and like, what am I going to do with my life? You're making it happen. And you're showing people that you don't have to have a whole lot to make your dreams happen. Amen. Okay. Yeah. So keep pushing. Thank you. I will. Like making sure I don't have a Tammy Faye moment because I know she's from North Carolina, or at least it's here. And no, you're not going to do it. I would tell you. I wish you could have <laughs> my makeup today. She's, oh, this is hard. I love makeup, but um, I don't like waterproof because I wear contact lenses mm-hmm. and I don't like rubbing my eyes too much. And plus, mm-hmm. I'm kind of vain about wrinkles and don't want to create them. So. Yeah. I never wear waterproof. And now I know if I ever have Rhonda on again to wear the waterproof mascara, because she's not going to make you cry from laughing. Oh, no. I got to thank you. You helped me so much with like helping me book guests or when people last minute cancel or this, you're like, girl, I got you. And sending me people and putting yourself out there with your clients to, hey, there's this girl. She's in Raleigh. Mm-hmm. Doing this podcast on Facebook, but you got to go on it. You know, I don't know how you sell it. I'm sure you sell it way better than that. But, you know, from them, they're probably hearing like Facebook talk yeah. show. So I really appreciate because I, from the very beginning, you've been right there helping me out. And I, yeah. Yeah. And it's not going to change. I mean, you know, we got to help each other. You know, I mean, that's, that's just how it's got to go. And it, And if you really can't help, you know, then you just tell them, I can't help. I'm sorry. I can't help right now, but I wish you the best. But, you know, if you, if, if I didn't take the time to go ahead and tell you how I felt about it, then you would never know. But most of all, you need to hear it. You need to hear it. You need to know that somebody's out there um, loving what you're doing. Okay. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Uh, your your fans and people do know that you are an actress too, right? And that you are I, I cry, man. Yes, but I try not to cry so that I don't overwhelm my tear ducts and it makes my eyes swell now that I'm older. No, I've always swollen up whenever I cry, so I don't do it that often. Yeah, I like people laugh, not cry. But I love you and I appreciate you and everything you're doing as well for the community. With um, gosh, I just forgot his name, but even in Atlanta with the shooting victim the police brutality stuff that you're doing. Like you make sure everybody you follow her on all social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram, Rhonda Marie, Goldie Bell, yeah. Goldie Legacy. I think I tagged all hundred of your businesses <laughs> <laughs> on Instagram. Yeah, and, and since you said that, please, please, I need you guys to sign the petition. Um, mm. You can go to Justice for Georgia on Instagram mm. and get the information or Justice for Jamarion Robinson. His mother is Monteria Robinson. She is working hard. She is trying to let everybody know what happened to her son um, in August of 2016. It's such a tragic story. It didn't get national news, and that's okay. We're not mm-hmm. going for national. We're going for the respect, and we're going for the justice for her son because he was – an innocent young man, once again, and no one knows about it. But Jamarian Robinson, you can um, look it up. It's on Wikipedia, I do believe. And like I said, on Instagram, you can go to Justice for Georgia or Justice for Jamarian Robinson and learn more about it. And please sign the petition. We need as many people to sign that petition as possible. See, and that's Rhonda. When she could be um, promoting herself, what is she doing? Promoting the betterment for everyone. I love you, girl. You, I love you too, Camille. 
All right. Well, thank you so much for being my guest today. And while you guys are signing petitions, sign the sad one about healthcare as well. Yeah. yeah. I thought you were gonna say that at first, and then I was like, oh, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a whole nother story. We'll have um, to come back to that one because mm -hmm. I think they're gonna have some type of QA and I'll just wait and read it afterwards because I trust nothing that comes out of that office right now. Like you said, they all should have voted no. Mm -hmm. But, you know, here we are again. Here we are. Here we are. And mm -hmm the minority actors are going to suffer the most. Mm -hmm. And I'm not shy to say that out loud. Not yeah. just African-American. I'm talking about our Indian, our Asian family, friends. All areas, yeah. Yep, yep. We, we are going to suffer. Pandemic, like when everybody's working less anyway, now we have to qualify even higher to get insurance and we need insurance because we're going to risk our lives work on shows. Yeah. So that's why I said I got to create my own. Mm -hmm. You know, you got to do that. Yeah. yeah. So, well, I appreciate everything you're doing, and you're about to change the whole entertainment world. I'm so proud of you. I'm not sure. So, we'll be talking soon, but thank you so much for being a guest. And everybody, yeah. go follow her and all of her organizations that are tagged everywhere. Like, I'm pretending like they're tagged right here, and they're not, but it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> One day I'll have the um, budget or I'll be on a broad, I'm not Broadway, I'll be on a broadcast show that when I say that my producer in the background will be able to pop up stuff. But until then, we just all got to go on the magical ride together. But manifesting, manifesting. Manifesting. I didn't even know I was doing that. I've been doing that my whole life and it works. It does. It does. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, thanks again, Rhonda. I love you and we'll be chatting Thank soon. You. Okay. See you. All right. Thanks again. Uh, don't you just love Rhonda? I mean, making me ugly cry on screen. I'll forgive her later. Just kidding. I love her. She's amazing. Make sure you guys follow her and subscribe to her YouTube channel. Uh, all the tags will be there in the comments or depending on where you're watching. Go to my Instagram. I've tagged all of her businesses on the last post that I posted about her. And thank you so much again for tuning in. I appreciate you. Make sure you share this interview with your friends and family, whether they're on YouTube, Facebook. They can watch it too. Don't hold back. Don't keep me the best kept secret. Make sure you share, share, share. And you can also find me on podcast form now. You can use Anchor FM, Spotify, Apple, Google Play, iHeartRadio, wherever you find podcasts, I'm there. Like, share, five-star reviews are grateful. I'm grateful for them if you can give me that as well. I really appreciate it. And thank you, everyone that tuned in.